Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. And we're back on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek. Uh, and today we're talking about, we're back to our our long-running uh, Star Trek The Next Generation discussions. And today we're on season four, episode 17. Yes. <laughs> Night Terrors. <laughs> yeah. Working with you has made me so much more pro than I was. Like I, I never, I never, I never said season this or that. It was just, it was, it was a lot more casual and informal. No, I'm just teasing. We're still the same. Still, oh, you haven't gone mainstream yet. It's all right. No, I don't. I have a lot of. I would be very, very surprised if this format ever gets mainstream. But if it does, I kind of would like see that as like hope for uh, attention spans <laughs> or just, or or the populace has gone more insane and now and now they're enjoying things like starfleet boy um <laughs> in a sleep uh, in a dream deprived world starfleet Ooh. boy is king uh <laughs> nice do you want to do the uh the summary or shall i i can if you if you don't want to Notice how I take the the easy episodes. I do. I like that. I'm going to hand this one to you. (laughs) You do all the episodes. You've done a hard one. Um, But yeah, I'm going to hand this one to you because I kind of want to see what your take on it is because I think the summary is a good preview of one's mood. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I didn't see the episode. I fell asleep. No, just kidding. Um, No, so um, <laughs> essentially the USS Enterprise is, is out to investigate uh, what happened to the USS Britain. Um, a Miranda-class starship. A Miranda-class starship, which is a heavily featured class starship in, in Star Trek. Um, so they figure out that when, when they get there, the ship is kind of uh, adrift and uh, they beam over, see what's going on, and everyone's you know dead. They seem to be all murdered or they've committed suicide or you know some sort of dreadful whatever's going on and simultaneously um counselor troy starts getting um what is it nightmares and um and that's pretty much how how it all sets up so they find one survivor on the ship which also is uh betazoid and so they have him uh in sickbay they bring him back to sickbay, and Deanna Troy uh, is trying to communicate with him uh, telepathically or empathically. I don't know. Telepathically, I would yeah, think. Yeah, like te- I guess telepathically, yeah. Because uh, there's words coming out there, and she's trying to figure out what's going on. And so very quickly, they figure out uh, what the kind of scientific problem is with, with with the situation that they're in, which is essentially they're in some sort of pocket of space that um, sucks up all of the energy from the ship and so that leaves them adrift and they have no power to leave uh, or to communicate the Tykan Rift 
Yes, the Taken's Rift. Taken's Rift, yeah. <laughs> Discovered by some beta Taken, apparently. Or no, what was he? A, uh, I wrote it down. Uh, it's a Melkorian or something like that. Yeah. Um, a race that has never been featured on Star um, Trek. A Malthusian. A Malthusian. <laughs> um, you can make up what we can make up what Malthusians look like, and it won't make a difference because there's no. <laughs> we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a, a Malthusian uh, uh, portion to the show today. I I I, I nominate <laughs> this is a segment. <laughs> um, and then so they they figure out that there's a second problem going on because uh, all of the other reported kind of um, issues. Uh, didn't didn't feature crews murdering each other and you know, just chaos happening, and so they figure out that there's simultaneously uh, uh, how should I say this? What is it? Is it like an anomaly? Yeah, I wasn't too clear on that <laughs> that part. Okay, okay. <laughs> I wasn't too so sure the if the well, I wasn't too sure if the the ship that was stuck on the other side was causing everyone to go crazy because they were sending out the psychic signal to Troy or if there was something else, but it seems like it stopped once the, the enterprise was free. So okay. I don't, we'll, yeah. we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> so the special anomaly essentially um, we'll go with this has trapped the, the USS enterprise on one side. Well, and the Britain before, but it's also trapped another ship on the other side uh, or some sort of, some sort of other ship. And uh, they're sending out uh, like telepathic or empathic waves, trying to communicate with someone that has telepathic powers. So they're in luck. We have um, so Deanna Troy on board, and uh, so what they're doing is they're communicating in her dreams. But that's taking away the ability to dream from every other from, person on the ship. Right, and that's Klingons, humans, whatever. It's only Beta. Every other species. It's only yeah, Beta Zeds. Um, beta, or, beta Zoids, Beta Zans. I'm so sorry, dear listeners. I always get Beta Z and Beta Zoid mixed up. I, I forget which one is the planet and which. One. Okay. So Deanna Troy um, is. I, I, I'm going to assume she's the only empathic or telepathic uh, person on the ship. Um, so she's the she's the only one uh, unaffected by the the loss of REM sleep. Right. And so. The, these aliens are sending out a message like uh, you you have to um, send out a certain particle that we're going to detonate and that's going to free us both from this anomaly right and so that's pretty much uh, pretty much how it plays out I think they end up abandoning the USS Britain where it is yeah we don't get um, to, we don't know what happens to the Britain I'm, we could assume it was destroyed in the explosion the explosion that's true that's true um but then we see uh the USS Enterprise go off on one side and then the space the alien spaceship rather, go on the other and a rather interesting looking ship I want to talk about that thing too yeah blue glowing design it looked like and, a, a piece of uh, Superman's ice cavern flying through space. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like Fortress of Solitude. The Fortress of Solitude. It looked like something like that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's 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 the story, and it's it's all done in a in a very um, kind of worrying, anxiety filled, um, creepy ambience. kind of ambiance. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Um, <laughs> what was it? Eyes in the dark. One moon. Circles. Yeah, that's it. See. That's it. 
<laughs> Where are you? It's going to take me all of two minutes to just tell you to do this. It was really funny. I don't know. I didn't. I thought the. I thought the failure of this show was definitely of this episode was definitely in the they they might have overreached with their special effects capabilities uh to tell the story in the dream i know it was a dream sequence so we can be forgiving about it but i was just like i did not enjoy that that shot of she didn't look like she was floating she just looked like she was laying on a chair <laughs> we were like generally, filming. Speaking, generally speaking i don't enjoy dream sequences or or i mean even the current discovery sequences we like burnham's talking to uh Sarek in, in the katra all of those abstract kind of <laughs> things I'm, I'm not too fond of because I don't really like having just one person. Even uh, Tapestry, you have um, – so t- that's TNG as well. You have um, Captain Picard talking to Q in just like a, a white background. I'm not too fan of I'm – not, I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. But this dream sequence was terrible in the sense <laughs> that she didn't look like she was flying – at all <laughs> um, and the CG is just like a it's like a hideous cloud vortex um, with like a a green screen yeah everything it. was green at least it was um, green it wasn't blue but uh, <laughs> oh no fair enough but I mean um, it, yeah no it wasn't it wasn't the most I mean the funny thing is it was ugly but it wasn't even that necessary I feel like they, they didn't need to spend that much time on those dream sequences right um, I get it. It was creepy. She was trying to understand what was going on, but I don't think that was the the more interesting focus. Right, right. No, I, I I agree. And, you know, it's funny. I've seen this episode probably three or four times before in my life, like whether it was like the original time I saw it or uh, on wow, a, you know, yeah, or subsequent, <laughs> subsequent rearing on television. And I always forget this episode until the Dr. Crusher sequence. <laughs> I'm always like, I've never seen this episode before until the Dr. Crusher sequence uh, in the morgue where the the dead people sit up. That is about the only memorable scene. And I remember they even used it a lot in like commercials and marketing for Star Trek. They would often reference that scene because it was actually very nicely executed. I think it survives as a creepy moment to this day from Star Trek. Obviously, from my me- my personal memory, it does, but... Um, well, I don't know how it is on your Netflix, but on my Netflix, that is the the shot that they use to promote the uh, episodes. So when you, when you're on, on uh, Netflix, you have like little... all, of, all of the episodes, and you have just one uh, shot of the episode to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. Often they're very spoiler heavy. Yeah. Um, th- this one isn't, but it is. Yeah. It is. It is Beverly Crusher kind of backing up um, with the the cadavers. All, yeah. all sitting up. Um, it is. An, it is a very yeah. It, it's a very well executed shot. It um, it's got that tension to it, which is uh, it's it does. it's nice. I like it. I like that. Gary did not choose that shot for the graphic. Oh my <laughs> god! I was curious if he if did he, he had. Choose, uh, did he choose Deanna Troy? He did. He did. Okay, fair enough. Because it is a Deanna yeah, Troy episode. It's true. And, uh, it it's wouldn't... kind of unfair to take away from her. Yeah, it's true. That one um, with Crusher. <laughs> we have a, we have a couple. I mean, she was really good at like at like acting dream deprived. <laughs> like, <it was> like, <laughs> um, are the 
I guess I just have a bunch of questions, and they're not necessarily directed at you. They're just, but if you have answers okay. or want to theorize about some of these things, that would be great. Um, something you said in the summary made me think of: Is the Miranda class starship like a workhorse of the Federation, like of Starfleet? Is that why we see so much of it? And uh, did you notice that the bridge had? looked more like a Romulan bridge and I wonder if this was I haven't bothered to look it up I'm sure there's information about this somewhere but um, I wonder if the bridge was a Romulan bridge re- redressed to look like a, a the you know the Bretagne's uh, bridge so that was one question I had for that part um, okay so there's two parts to that question in there yeah um, <laughs> that's two questions that I okay. had for that one first part, I, I do think it, it's like a generic um kind of science vessel but it's also kind of battle ready so it's like um i i would assume that the miranda class is kind of like a a lower grade galaxy class um it's not it's not all flash and doesn't have the best technology and it doesn't have you know wooden lining and stuff um it's not it's not the rolls royce and it's that it's wood just, it's that wood lining that that makes all the difference it's true it makes a ship pristine doesn't it i um, would never serve aboard a ship that doesn't have wooden lining on <laughs> its control panels god you want me to captain that um yeah no it, it, but i do think yeah as number you say, one it's... you beam aboard the britain it's <laughs> <laughs> the bridge is too small for me i'll beam on once they take away the dust um, sorry go on go on <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I do think it is a, uh, how do you, how do you put it? Like a workhorse, um, yeah, like a workhorse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and do I, think so. It's one of those run of the run of the mill kind of mass produced ships that they have going around because I, I'm assuming you can kind of equip any kind of scientific, um, uh, bits and boodabs on, on it and whatever yeah, you like, and have it go out and most, most of the stars fleet ships are not super specific i get the impression that you can they're module modular like if you put a different this thing on that part it does something different on a battle cruiser than it does on a science vessel so it's like and i noticed that the photon torpedo tube had an extension on this one and maybe those were like extra sensors or something like that that you know it probably is a proven uh, class of ship too, because it does look like it's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it probably is like a a worn out, battered old thing. But they they know it's one of those you know one of those models that'll just keep on working. It's like the Honda Civic of starships. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll go with that. Which, which brings us on to the second point. Um, yes, the bridge. I don't know if it was a Romulan bridge. Re- like it's, it was another set that they had reused, obviously. Um, but I did notice that the console <laughs> kind of seemed out of place because you had like a TNG, really flash-looking console set up in this old, old-looking bridge. But then it would make sense. You have this old kind of shell, but then you keep yeah, updating the technology inside it. And that helped me uh, make more sense of some of the ships that we're seeing in Discovery, where you kind of think sometimes that doesn't fit or that seems to advance or what have you. Well, I mean, the USS uh, Enterprise doesn't seem like it comes from the same time period as the USS, um, what does it pertain here? Yeah, oh all. no, actually that's a really good 
that's great. I never, I never really thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Like, why wouldn't there be experimental models? And like, why, you know, if you wanted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just because we yeah. never, we <laughs> never get, we never get the bigger picture. We don't get someone that comes in and spends forty minutes explaining what chips are out doing what and why they look different, what have you. Right. Um, we've never true. had that, that kind of. We don't. We never go. Never go to f- like shipyards. Oh, fleet yards and see what's going on. There's not like a see. show yet that's based at like Utopia Planitia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but who knows? <laughs> the next season of Star Trek Discovery is going to surprise all fans by being taking place on Utopia Planitia the whole season. <laughs> yeah, you you follow a new character that just welds all day. <laughs> I would be so impressed. What will happen next? (laughs) Hey, I heard a story that the Klingon war is over. (laughs) (laughs) Just unaware of everything? Yes, it was on the Central News Network this morning. And then he just goes around, goes back to welding. Oh, my God. At the end of seven seasons, he finally, we finally find out that the ship that they built was the Excelsior or something like that. It'd be pretty funny. And speaking of tangents, <laughs> so going back to my questions for you, that was a good answer. I, I go with that. And I do have to say that, like, I do like they could have probably used the set of like um, whatever they used for yesterday's Enterprise, because that was like an older looking bridge from like the, the TOS movie mm-hmm. era era. And they could have just used that. But I kind of like that they made it different because the science vessel might be dramatically different from um you know a cruiser or an exploration vessel so when the set that um, they used seemed to make sense with the ship itself because it looks like a bulky you know kind of sturdy old thing and then you you, you look at the the bridge it was really like compact mm-hmm. um everything was square it wasn't it wasn't streamlined or ergonomic or anything it was it, it, like it wasn't at all kelvin timeline it was it was more you know just boxy right um um i thought that the it it, i I was like kind of hyper aware of the um the character that was in like dream coma or whatever not dream coma but like dream catatonic or whatever where Mm -hmm. the beta z character from the from the britain I thought it was interesting mm. that his role uh, was science advisor, so he wasn't the counselor, which I know not all Beta Zeds necessarily okay. need to be counselor, but at least, well, he was in an advisory role of some kind, so that's interesting. But um, I like the actor because I felt bad for the actor because all he, <laughs> all he can do is like lay in this bed, and then the rest of his lines are, are voiceover, right? But I did like mm. in the first the first scene that we see him, you actually see a tear rolling down his eyes, like, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I have to say, kudos to to the actor. But overall, the whole thing didn't work for me. Like, I really kind of like was cringing at the, um, you know, like the whole idea of Deanna having to search through this nightmare and like the way that the communication between the aliens and and she were. It was. It didn't really progress. Like every dream sequence was the same. Like her just going, "Where are you?" And then they're, you know, and they're going, "The moon with the eyes in the dark circles," you know. And it's like, mm. 
I wish that each time we went in there, it was something a little bit different, a little bit more information. I don't know what I would have written for it, but it, I certainly didn't like. I didn't vibe with it at all. Did, what, did, what did you think of that whole part? Did you feel like the the actor, by the way, that that, that lies on the bed and does nothing more, is called John Vickery, and um, so he's got the same last name as me. So, I mean, thumbs up for that. Um, <laughs> I just found out your your last name. I always just thought it was on the tube. <laughs> on the tube, there you go. I mean, Sean on the tube. I, I would have known. Um, <laughs> so thumbs up for having a, a, a good last name there. Hey, um, are, do you think, are there a lot of uh, Vickery's? Or oh could God, you guys yes. be related? Oh, okay. It's like yes. a common. Yeah, yeah. Completely common name. But um, anyway. Um. But if you were to find out he's related to you, that would be like that would be funny. It would be a funny. It would be a funny link. It would be like an Easter egg I'd have to include in the video. And he's related to me, right? Um, you'd you'd have to be in Star Trek because it's like Ewan McGregor's uncle was Wedge Antilles in Star Wars. So if he ends up being your uncle, you're going to be like Star Trek. I need to be on an episode of Discovery because it's like family I, legacy I, now at this point. I, I'm I'm not sure that the character like had that much impact on uh, the franchise itself. To be honest, um, fair enough. No fair disrespect enough. to that. Like the character itself didn't seem to. So that that's essentially my question. Like, could could this story have done so without the dream sequences? Maybe not. They could have done been done better. But could could the episode have done without him? Yeah, because I mean, it, she could have still oh, had the nightmares. Kind of useless. I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's good that they they find him and save him. They saved the guy. That's right. cool. Um, it's so also I'm, kind of interesting. Like, uh, it's not really clear how he's the only survivor. It looks like everyone else just went nuts on the ship. I assume and like he's the only one that ha- still had his rim sleep. Oh yeah, you're right. But like, how so, could you sleep through the night? Like, from what I understand, like these people went like completely nuts. <laughs> like it was like, this was kind of like I, what I imagined based on that little um, video log clip that the, um, that we get from the captain of the Britain. Um, I gather it was not too different from uh, that movie um, uh, event horizon. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's Jason Isaacs, one of his early roles, Ooh. or at least when I first started noticing him, um, is in that film, and uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> that's why it was like uh, people. A lot of people were making jokes about when Jason Isaacs was cast as the part of Lorca. They were like, "Oh, are you going to be? Is are you going to end up being like a the big bad guy, just like you were in?" in that last science fiction movie you did called event horizon. But anyways, uh, event horizon is about a similar kind of phenomenon going on, going happening on a ship where everyone seems possessed and starts to try to kill each other. And, um, then it's much more gory than, than TNG would ever have endeavored to do, but you get a hint of that from the dialogue and, and from the, uh, from that log. Um, this episode had some actually pretty graphic uh, deaths when it when it opened. Like it opens um, with with some pretty horrific um, bodies there. Oh, when they oh be- yeah, when that's they right. Being over to the Britain, um, the first guy is stabbed and there's blood everywhere. The second guy got hit by a phaser. He's all like melted and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which surprised me because a lot of, a lot of the times we don't see blood in TNG. 
And yeah, I kind of I this I one they didn't shy from it's true from showing all of that. I mean, the the second I think maybe the third, fourth, it's just like minor lacerations, which is fine. It's just like scars, um, but the first two, they hit you with that shock factor. No, totally. Um, um, and then they describe it like uh, Doctor Crush says they use phasers, knives, and their bare hands to kill each other. So mm. it's kind of a netto thing. I would imagine someone would have killed the the Betazoid science advisor, <laughs> and so I do find it a little inconceivable that he lived. And he ultimately doesn't really prove to to move the plot along. So yeah, I. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was hiding in like um, a a cupboard or something. He was. Uh, well, it was on the bridge. It was like a little. You're right. It was like a cupboard on the bridge. That's right. <laughs> That's but, yeah, no, I mean, you know, where you put your your coffee cups or something, your mugs or something, but um, yeah, you get old, you know, stuff with insignia mugs. Um, We're so spoiled serving on the Enterprise uh, D that you know. Now the Discovery has a a very massive bridge, so that's odd too, because you would think it's this, as a science vessel might have echoed. They might have echoed uh, this configuration. But but I like the Discovery Bridge. I don't quite That's understand cool. the point of a huge bridge. I I understand the practical point of it, like from a, a filming point of view, because you need you need room to film stuff. So it, you it's, get these I'm, beautiful wide shots. Yeah, it's yeah, true. I think I think that's why they made everything so big in Discovery. The, the transporter room is big. The hallways are big. Um, it's just easier to get your camera around and your actors. Um, but the Discovery Bridge is just massive. What's the point of that? I know, it's like a bridge Why? contest. Like after, <laughs> after T- TNG must have started this whole like. Oh, started the um, trend of making the bridges. The bridges big, but Voyager didn't follow that. I think Voyager's uh, bridge, as I recall, was like a nice size. Like it didn't feel massive. It, it kind of matched the scale of the ship, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Voyager's Voyager's cozy. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this one isn't. The Britain isn't. The Britain is hideous. <laughs> I would absolutely not want to be on that bridge. It looked cramped. Uh, um, <laughs> there were yeah, beautiful no. shots, though, um, of of both the Enterprise and the Britain um, in space. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, fine. Deanna Troy floating wasn't that good, but at least the ships were nice. The ships were nice. Although, and, and that's, you know, again, minor complaint, but... It was. They showed that one shot of the Britain just kind of hovering below the saucer area of the Enterprise D, mm-hmm. below and in front of it, like a little too much. <laughs> it was like pretty much after every commercial break, they went to that shot first and then came back. So it was like a, <laughs> an interesting, like a strange thing. And I was like, oh, I think I think I've seen that shot too much. Um, Ensign Peoples really stood out to <laughs> to me. So when Jordy is still aboard the Britain trying to get the engine started and doing the diagnostics. There's this kind of like um, somewhat like um, mysterious or creepy ensign who who's like starts getting he's like the first one we see starting to get like paranoid and I was like oh I need to submit him to gay trek which is, which is like what, on Instagram you don't know about this. It's like, I do not. Cute ensign and I you heterosexuals, you have a lot of uh, beautiful people to stare at on Star Trek, but us homosexuals, we hardly ever get um, a very handsome 
looking chap. <laughs> I mean, you get I to look at Will Rank every day. That's Come true, on. we do. Yeah, yeah. They're like guest stars, you know, like there's always a new uh, it, love interest woman, you know, and, and in this situation, it's like, oh, a fresh face, someone new. That was interesting. Mm. But he wasn't the only one. We also got, uh, he was the only one I thought was cute, but we also get yeah, cute. We often, we often get like the traditional old man ambassador with like a, a young woman attache right or something right, right we never see we never see like okay. an old woman ambassador with a young man well, i mean attache. i think you can't complain because you get you get the good old harry mud and i <laughs> no, no very good very good um <clears throat> but the, uh, that joke or gag meant for me to lead into the fact that I think it was neat that we saw a lot more uh, crew people in this episode because we yeah. got him, which is Ensign Peoples. Then we got uh, Lieutenant Gillespie, who was causing all the trouble in 10 Forward, and he was just I like, like super paranoid. <laughs> you're like, I like, I'm like, he's super like paranoid, him. and you're like, I like him. <laughs> no, I, I like him. I, I didn't. Okay, fine. His, his arc, like in, in, in this story, has him. As like a, 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 a like a douche, but that's because he, he's all sleep deprived, right? Um, right, right. Just bringing out the worst, but, uh, people, which is kind of an interesting thing too. It, it would have been interesting to see, um, like, to, to have these kind of, uh, I suppose, regulars. It would have been interesting to have these guys kind of like show them now and then, and kind of focus on the same people in, in the crew, especially in, in the main crew, because you always get different people in engineering. And I suppose it doesn't make that much sense, but um, no, it's true. I, I liked him. Yeah, I liked him too, and I liked. Um, we never see these people again. And there's also the the lieutenant yeah. who's on the bridge who can't. She can't remember her navigation. Oh um, yeah, she gets so, dismissed real quick. Yeah, Ensign Rager. That's right. He's like, Ensign uh, Lynn, please replace Ensign uh, Rager. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of an interesting thing. Like, um. So that was like a real positive for me about this episode was seeing a lot more uh, characters and extras uh, kind of introduced and and you know even though this doesn't go anywhere, I do it did make me kind of appreciate how Star Trek Discovery does that because so far like we see one thing that I really like that Discovery did with the bridge crew is that we saw them all season and it was a point of frustration. I was like, why aren't we getting to know the bridge crew? And then all of a sudden when it does happen and they, they come together, um, it was impactful and it would have been neat if Star Trek, the next generation could have done something like that with some of these characters as well. Like in an, you know, like maybe at the end of the season, somehow they're all useful again, but of course, well, you know, the two different I would have styles loved, of television, you know. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I would have loved it as well, but I think it just it boils down to the times where nowadays um, television series don't shy from, from like, uniting huge casts. Um, even if they're not major characters or, like, constantly present, um, shows like, and I always revert to Game of Thrones because I think everyone's kind of seen that at this point, um, Game of Thrones will just throw characters out there and you'll see them now and then and they'll come back and you know they exist, you know they're there and they're always doing something and if the story applies to them at that moment they'll bring them back and they won't hesitate um, whereas I think television back in the day just didn't do that it didn't right. work that way right, it's true um, a little uh, humorous question here uh, we see both Riker and Troy's sleeping garments like what they sleep in 
And <laughs> I wonder if you had noticed or had any thoughts on how uncomfortable <laughs> they, those outfits for sleeping look. Troy wow. had a, like a thing where it was like an evening <laughs> gown, like it went around, it went around her neck. And then Riker's blue ribbed weird suit, kind of like I don't know what was what was going on over there. <laughs> yeah, just like. Yeah, I mean, sleeping in your underpants and then getting up with an awkward boner probably doesn't exist in 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 the future, does it? But um, <laughs> these uh, these wonderfully tight uh, garments come with uh, uh, arousal control systems. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I never pay attention to what they wear in their sleep. I did notice the Troy thing because I thought that was a bit that was a bit weird. I didn't notice Rikers. I noticed the bids. The bids look very uncomfortable. And I noticed I, I, in the HD upgrade that Troy's outfit was also very risque for the time because it's sheer, it's completely sheer. I don't know if you, if you saw that. Like Marina Sirtis was a pretty risque uh, actor. Well, if you um, got it, flaunt it, and she certainly has it. But, <laughs> but yes, I I agree because um, everything that wasn't Star Trek related, I mean. She's done nude, hasn't she? She's done full nude, full nudity. I don't know. I, so I never followed her outside of Star Trek, except for uh, Sherlock, the, the Sherlock episode, Sherlock Holmes episode that she was in from the 1980s uh, Granada series. Okay. But now I have to do a Google search later on and see what comes <laughs> up. <laughs> so that, that's what bugged you, kind of like what they were wearing? When they when they when they went to bed, well, it, I just thought it stood out this time. Like I think I think Picard's out, always actually because Picard also wears an awkward outfit. And yeah, I we mean, like that. We <laughs> often see Picard go to bed or get out of bed, um, and he always wears something that is that is a bit odd. That yeah. is a bit odd, and I don't think people. I that's the thing is like now I don't remember, um, and and of course I didn't get that far, but I remember DS Nine. Uh, having anything too out of the ordinary. I mean, some of Jake's outfits were really bizarre and like, kind of like, oh my gosh, like I hope people in the future don't dress like this. But so far, Discovery is the most, what I think, and maybe it's just because I can't see, uh, like, I can't imagine fashion changing so dramatically because it's over the course of human history like it the basics have always kind of remained pretty much the same like a pant a shirt you know things like that and like the way humans tend to wear them it's it's a lot like we've had clothing long enough now to know that like there's a certain way to wear it and then we we know how to how to make it and what to make i always assume that in tng like in ds9 when 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 a human character is wearing something that makes absolutely no sense to me or just seems hideous i always go with that that's like fashion from another planet i like that (laughs) some other species has hideous taste and for whatever reason our character is wearing their clothes Riker was wearing an dorian sleeping suit tonight yeah exactly it's it's, (laughs) it's fine fine. humans are normal it's the andorians (laughs) that are wrong I, I, I mean, got it. I got it. <laughs> Thanks for helping me to build a framework to rationalize, <laughs> uh, rationalize uh, next generation um, outfits. That was. Well, it's, I it's need. Just, I, it's just constructive racism, isn't it? But <laughs> well, I don't know. But it could. I mean, <laughs> but uh, at the very least, now, now I feel um, future fashions. <laughs> um, 
An- another scene that I thought was done really well was uh, the moment where um, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're going through the cycle of showing everyone doing weird things on the ship and they mm-hmm. get to Chief O'Brien and, um, and Keiko and she, <laughs> she walks in and I have to give kudos, big time kudos to Rosalind Chow because she like delivered some crazy techno explanation which was very specific too is like by you know botany or mm. bio, you know, biology or whatever and and she said it so naturally like it came out of her like like if if she's like very familiar with those terms and it didn't seem like she practiced it for hours which i'm sure she did mm. Mm. um but anyways you get that argument with between Keiko and and O'Brien and then O'Brien goes to 10 forward and we never kind of like I wonder like if Keiko was just like that's like I mean he was acting really strange for how Chief usually acts with Keiko you know so I'm surprised that she never like came to follow up on that and so I thought that was like another you know a highlight and then a drop ball as far as the the story was concerned because if I get it. You only have a, li- a limited time, so they had to focus on all so many characters. But I wonder if they were a little too ambitious and dropped the ball with that one. What do you think? I didn't get that kind of feeling. I just got that it, it was just one of those, oh, this guy's acting odd, moving on, kind of... Because they just wanted to show you that various characters were, were acting oddly. Um, I didn't feel like we needed to follow up on that story because, I mean, who cares? I mean, who cares? Right. Um, and, ob- yeah, I guess ob- obviously, nothing's happening. Keiko's not, you know, <laughs> floating with someone else. She doesn't care. Um, I mean, it's just nice to see her now and then. Um, yeah, no, it didn't feel like a, a drop ball for me. It was, uh, it was, it was fine. Um, it's just that, yeah, they were trying to cram a lot and a lot of stories in, but that—that's to kind of give you the like. It's kind of to, I suppose, to overwhelm you with how many characters are going nuts and what's going on with the ship, I would have liked maybe to spend more time on how crazy the ship went. Maybe, you know, take away from all of the Deanna floating scenes and discussions with uh, random Vickery um, and uh, and spend more time on, on people like getting mad at each other and whatever. Not necessarily fight scenes, but just, you know. Yeah, I think so too. How the ship generates kind of right. Even though we've seen that, like, so, like I think this is like now the third instance. The poor crew of the Enterprise constantly gets like bombarded with these like mind <laughs> problems because like uh, the Naked Now was an example where they're all losing their shit, and then I forget what the other one was, and now this one. The, the funny thing is, you say the the poor crew of the Enterprise, but don't look at it that way because they al- they always come out alive. For the that's most part, because true. every about, ship like, they run into, <laughs> all of them go through the same stuff. They're all dead. The ship's adrift. No one's alive. It's all terrible. No, I mean, these guys that... make it out. Because, I mean, solely because of data in this episode. Had nothing for data, data they would have all been too tired yeah. to do anything. Um, yeah, I like I data. I like data a lot in this episode. Deanna Troy <laughs> helps, I suppose, but um, proof being that Deanna Troy wouldn't have been able to figure it out alone is the other. The other Betazoid didn't. Um, right. And it was the combination of Data and Deanna in that one. That's where it kind of all comes together because she's having these visions, she's having these visions, and then Data's like, we have to figure out a way to send information to the other ship 
through the void. So he's going through the molecular structures and that's when they figure out like the people are asking for hydrogen. And I thought mm. that was rather clever too. It was like the moon with the, yeah, that the was, two, that was you know, the circle and the whatever. And cause I, okay. So is it I just me? What's that? Or is it just me? Or um, am I being completely like? Am I being completely paranoid here? But I felt like Data was judging everyone in this episode. I know. I totally know. You're. <laughs> I mean, you totally like. Like, you totally like that scene where like Picard can't figure out what to say, and he's just like <laughs> Data's like Data's like waiting patiently, and he's just like, okay, I'm just gonna do it. You know. Like, um, like, he finishes Deanna Troy's explanation. Oh, what is it, Doctor Crush's explanation? I think at one point. Right <laughs> just like fed up with this. Come on, people, get a hold of yourselves. We gotta get out of here. Of course, we know Data doesn't feel anything, but I couldn't help. No, it. I can't like, help but feel that sometimes Data um gets bored. With certain situations, like he must find these situations very interesting. Like there's a lot of data to analyze and what have you. But once he's <laughs> once he's figured out once he's figured out what's going on, where he is, and what's happened for ten days, and everyone's just tired, he must be so bored. Like okay, we, we need to get out of here and and, and be off to do something. He, even interacting with people that are tired, like that are ten ten days tired, um, must not be very interesting. So he yeah. can't even he can't even feed uh, off the interactions that he has so he that's must a, be just oh, let's get out of here anyway i really didn't feel really like he was point. judging everyone no he definitely i uh, brent spiner if you happen to be watching this uh this segment <laughs> and 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 hear what we're talking about here we'd love to know your insights if you can remember uh what day if data was bored or judging everyone in in this episode which uh is uh night terrors <laughs> I bet if you do a Google search, he's probably answered this question. I, I can't imagine the amount of questions uh, Brent Spiner and the crew have answered over the years. I do wonder if there's like a, a compilation of everything that he's answered about every single episode over the years. That stuff is coming uh, and it's going to be AI and computers that do it. Like we're not humans have to sit and spend so many hours to watch and sift through all this. But like with an AI, you can feed an audio file and it just like instantly can transcribe the whole um Mm -hmm. the whole shebang so it's coming we're going to be able to do it there's an interesting uh show that's set in the distant maybe distant i can't remember future called uh, altered carbon and uh if you uh if you have a chance to uh, check it out <laughs> okay. I, I get a lot of uh, ads about that currently yeah yeah it's an it's a really neat show um we're not going to spend too much time on Starfleet Boy talking about it, but when you start, if you start watching it and you like it, uh, shoot me a, a DM and let me know. A DM, <laughs> DM me, bro. <laughs> um, so yeah, the data thing was a highlight. I, I'm really mixed about this episode because there were so many good things, but there were like, I feel like an equal number of like um, missed well, opportunities those, as well. It's one of those episodes where like there's an interesting concept behind it, but then they awkwardly execute it. Um, okay, so one thing really surprised me. Uh, Picard is explaining that they're preparing to tow uh, the USS Britain and get out of here. But he says it's going to be ready in an hour. Right. <laughs> it takes you an hour to send it, like, to, to, to hook up a tractor beam on that thing and then get out of there? Why is it, is it that, an hour? And then it took six hours to do the energy uh, blast from the what? deflector. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> is that because they're running low on power or something? 
I think um, I think that had to do with it because he does. You're right. The data mentioned something about how long it takes to charge. You know that kind of thing. That still, kind of thing. It, it shocked yeah. me. I was like, God damn, an hour. Anyway, I I, I did. It's true. I did like the. Uh, uh, I think this is the first time we. Maybe no, no, no. We've seen it before. It was in the. Um, it was in the episode where Georgie get, Georgie gets kidnapped by the. Um, pack lids. So I, I take it back, but I, for a second, I almost thought that it's the first time we saw the, uh, bizarre Ram, uh, scoops or the bizarre collectors releasing hydrogen. Cause that's what they do. They collect hydrogen and that's mm. their, their primary job. So that was kind of a cool, cool moment, little techie moment there. Um, I think I went through all, um, Oh, the only other thing in my notes here is the, <laughs> the wharf blade ceremony suicide scene. Oh, the, <laughs> that was okay. really, okay. That's the only note that I have left as well. <laughs> well okay. <laughs> we both, we're both on the same tip here. That's funny. <laughs> the thing is, I, I, I always find it funny how, like when everything, when, when shit hits the fan, Wolf just reverts back to his ultra traditional <laughs> Klingon ceremonious suicide. It is really whatever. strange. I mean, yeah, it's true. <laughs> he always goes back to that. Like, uh, I must die with honor because you know I, I, I fear things. And come on, just but then get, you, get a grip. Come on. <laughs> of course, uh, Counselor Troy senses his distress, and I think we get the first hints of a future. Uh, relationship with these two because they hold hands in that that little scene and I was like, oh, are they planting the seed for that? You know, right now is that what is that what's happening here? You, would you think so? I don't think so. It's too they, fun to I, bounce, it? I, you know, I give I give uh, this I uh, I find in wire connective tissue um, throughout the uh, series maybe not intentional but it ends up happening that way because mm. we know the whole series as, as a whole so like maybe you're right Th- there may not have been an intention to, to like they didn't know they were going to put Troy and Worf together um, but maybe they when they wrote the scene they wondered if that could be a possibility at some point you know themselves like we are wondering as well so mm. I don't know so just have two characters hold hands and then see how the internet react or oh. back then it wasn't even the internet see, see how much mail you get like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> I will not tolerate interspecies uh, relationships uh, you know all the same trolls that were around, that are around now on the internet were around uh, oh, <laughs> back then as well um, why are you watching Star Trek if you don't tolerate those things get out of here get out Come on. I said it. <laughs> Get off my bridge. <laughs> I feel threatened now. Um, do I have to? Do I have to leave? What's going on? <laughs> you're fine. Oh, good, good. You're a, you're 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 just a curmudgeon. It's a little different. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, Guinan's rifle. <laughs> what the heck okay what yeah it, it, it's it's funny but it is a classic trope um i think like the, the barman pulls out a weapon like ooh, but then like the the barman pulls out like um a disproportionately huge like kind of insane funky looking weapon 
um, <laughs> like a, a massive shotgun or something, like not, not just a baseball bat. Like so funny. it's a classic joke, isn't it? She was a, uh, there was a different side to Gaina and I haven't seen her lose her patience often, but she was really losing her patience uh, with Gillespie. And uh, I thought it was weird how I just, yeah, it was like, it was off slept in 10 how, days either. Yeah, I know. So she's going through some crazy stuff too. I thought it was neat how each different character, poor Picard was the most, I think, frail from the experience. I, I, I just felt bad, like that scene in the turbo lift and like all that stuff. Oh. And he talks about, that scene in the turbo lift so before he goes crazy and has the hallucination but after Riker leaves you get that kind of moment where he's just he's there. shaking yeah he's, yeah um that is uh like a prelude to the performance that he gives in logan um, yeah you're absolutely because it, it it does look a lot like the um uh professor x that we see in logan that that whole shaky thing and the way, the way they had this makeup done, like looking all old it's true. and Pat, and, I, I, and you feel for Captain Picard. Patrick Stewart plays um, yeah. plays a like distraught, disabled old man really well. He does. <laughs> he does. I was genuinely worried after Logan. I was like, oh my God, like what, what's going on? Is he fine? You go check out interviews. No, he's fine. Okay. No, and it, well, it doesn't help that he lost his voice for a little while. So there's a bunch of interviews yeah, I mean, where his voice sounds really frail. So. Yeah. Hey, here's another shout out on Starfleet Way to you, uh, Patrick Stewart. We love you, and <laughs> we, we want to see you on the Enterprise one more time in a Star Trek film. Please make it happen. That's one of our missions here on Starfleet Boy, by the way, is that the next generation gets a final, like an, a proper send off. And and uh, at this point, I'm willing for it to be anything. I uh, I think uh, uh, you know. Uh, a Quentin Tarantino style film would have been an amazing next generation film, but I would also like to see, I was thinking of what directors I would like to see kind of direct and say goodbye to TNG uh, on screen. Um, And I thought Kenneth Branagh would be really good. And Martin Scorsese might be a really great. Could you imagine a Martin Scorsese science fiction, Star Trek film? (laughs) (laughs) And then of course no, Steven Spielberg. Would, would <laughs> and then of course Steven Spielberg. Like I can't no, imagine no. that Steven Spielberg would not want a director Star Trek. I, I don't want. I don't want Spielberg to touch Star Trek. I would be interested in seeing a, a, like a Neil Blomkamp mm. um, take on Star Trek. I know he's very dystopian and and, and dark and. Uh, yeah, actually, that that would be a really neat. Like, what if he sets the stage for what happens after? In the next generation, like you know, could I, I could see Neil Blomkamp dealing with like a, a very Borg-related, a Borg-heavy story. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a really good choice. Anyways, just some thoughts out there. If we're if we're gonna shop for A-list directors, yeah. <laughs> um, I. That's all my notes. What else do you got? You got anything else? No, that was it. That was my my last notes was. Uh, Wharf reverts into ultra traditional. That, that's what I got there. <laughs> oh, the I did miss something. Uh, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I wrote that down uh, because Riker has that hallucination of snakes in his bed, and that's like the oh, most no. night. And that was also eerie, and like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. It did remind me of something interesting about. That's the just bathroom. the most generic thing in that snakes and spiders, <laughs> right? Like even even in Harry Potter when. They have that scene where they're like confronting their worst fears or something. 
Um, and it's always snakes it's, or spiders. It's snakes it's, and spiders. It's overused. It's always. It's totally it's just overused. Those generic fears that people. <laughs> well, then I mean, a lot of people are afraid of snakes and spiders. But then, I mean, those are the irrational I, fears. I mean, I suppose like you're not going to put a tiger. Everyone's scared of a tiger. <laughs> it's a rational fear. <laughs> or like a serial killer with a chainsaw. But um. <laughs> That would have been interesting if, like, we started seeing things like horror movie classics on board the Enterprise, like Jason or or uh, Freddy Krueger. To make things really deep, you could have people have like uh, have like fear of like immigrants or homosexuality, and make it really, really meta. But um, I, I, that would have been controversial. Just to even think about that would have been controversial. I'm not, I'm not sure any that, show like, was like gonna go, gonna go in that direction. But um, no, I know it's it is amazing how far we've come, and it's amazing like that those like the the groups that you just mentioned right there continue to be controversial. And I'm I'm over the like I think that the the one that makes the, neither of them makes sense to me. But I think you know the most absurd one is the immigration uh, one because. What are you gonna do when there's 20 billion people on planet Earth? Like, you know, like I mean, we're we're totally what, what are you gonna do? No way. Yeah. What are you gonna do? I am not a conspiracy theorist. You you can't put an immigrant in, in like the bottom of your bed. You have to put snakes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Oh my god. <laughs> It's time for our episode ratings uh, section. <laughs> you know, Sean, oh. since you're an immigrant to Canada, I'm allowing for this kind of humor because you're speaking. <laughs> but if you come to the United States, we're going to kick your... No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Oh, my God. No, I'm a citizen of the world. I, you know, so That is what I want to be, too. I think it's time for citizen citizenry of the world. And... Uh, as scary as it sounds to most people, having been a Star Trek fan for many years, I think a world government would actually work yes. uh, really well. <laughs> so are, are we scary. voting for Elon Musk here? Or? Well, I don't know. Um, I I thought we have to speak about contemporary things on, on uh, Starfleet Boy 2, but I think it's pretty cool that there's a Tesla, his Tesla specifically, on its way to Mars. Uh, okay, so quick side <laughs> note before this episode ends. I think we can still cram this in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as different as an alien life form would be, so like our, our um, imagination couldn't even begin to fathom what like an alien life form would look like, and thus their transportation would be completely different, I'm pretty certain or fairly certain they would understand a rocket or a spaceship in the sense that it has like a, a, a main engine, and it's like it's it's shaped to go up and out. I'm pretty sure anyone would be quite confused by seeing a Tesla <laughs> floating around somewhere because it's got wheels, right? But <laughs> that would be it's... I know it'd be pretty weird. Now you're a Voyager fan. I saw a lot of memes on Twitter uh, showing uh, that apparently they found a truck in the Delta Quadrant. In an episode yep. of uh, Voyager, and so people are swapping the truck and putting the Tesla. Mm. And there's a funny, a funny one I saw where um, it's in the cargo bay or something, and they're examining the Tesla. And it's like, <laughs> I even but, saw yeah. one like the Tesla's on the view screen of the Enterprise, like um, 
So Riker's <laughs> looking at the Tesla thinking, what, what the hell is this? But, <laughs> but it's true. You're right. It, that will be very confusing um, to an alien. But what about um, like the, uh, I, you know, you're bringing it back to this episode, um, the alien craft that came out of the explosion, like what the heck was it? Like it, it didn't like, I didn't even get a clear look at like, it to be honest. It, it goes through very fast and it's, it's bright and blue and yeah. It looked like a bunch of crystals together or something. That's the impression that I got. So who knows? Like, I mean, if we saw that, we might think it's just an asteroid or a meteoroid or like a, you know, whatever, um, mm. you know, so who knows, who knows what crazy things you can do. And certainly, you know, it all depends on so many different factors. Um, we end with uh, the ship heading to Starbase 220. So now I'm tracking Starbases. I, I, yeah, it I, gives I me also did, 220 <laughs> is nothing. <laughs> but now it kind of, it's interesting because you can kind of tell around where the Enterprise is in space. Because if the nearest base is Starbase 220, we should be able to track. I wonder if anyone's ever done like from the beginning of TNG to the end of TG, TNG, the entire route the Enterprise D took. Oh, it probably its, makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I'm sure it makes no sense. It's probably like a bunch of circles and loops and you know, things like it's that. It from but. like that side of the galaxy <laughs> to that side, no reason at all. But and yeah, then there's true, like one episode where they sent to like the Delta Quadrant or something because um, <laughs> of Q. That's true. That's true. Well, those would be those would be taken out, but. Um, you did the summary, so I'll go first with my rating. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this episode a six. And Wow. Yeah, and the, it's, the saving oh, grace is definitely like the data, all the data scenes, and there were enough delightful things to kind of like, you know, move it on the positive side from the middle. Mm. Um, but it's still almost just a middle grade, <laughs> like average episode. So, yeah. You know, I, I say wow because I'm going to give it a six as well. That's what I was oh, going right for. Oh, right on. A um, six. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I like the, the general feel of the episode. The ambiance is like, it's it's genuinely scary. Um, it, well, I mean, scary. It's not scary. It, it has you worried um, and really curious and intrigued at what's going on and, you know, why all this is happening. But just the, 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 the dreams and... <laughs> And and the and the guests uh, lying on the bed, um, yeah, it's too, <laughs> it was too much. It's too much for me. It was definitely too much. Um, one other note uh, that I forgot to go over. I, one thing that I did notice about this episode, which I hardly ever notice um, in TNG, and I think that's a testament to the um, artist. But here, I think it was intentional that you're supposed to notice it. But the over time, they all started to get dark circles under their eyes, and I thought that was excellent. Like ten days bad sleeping no dreams and they're all tired it was like really really well done <laughs> makeup is good yeah it always it usually always is on tng there's a few exceptions here and there but <laughs> well that was fun that was a good <laughs> i think we had more fun talking about the episode than watching it but i would say that like that's a that's a positive on uh, in any case <laughs> um I don't know. I, I kind of felt like, um, in my mind, season four of TNG has always been quite strong. And um, recently we have had some, I suppose, just 
not str- that strong episodes, and so I'm just well, wondering if the season overall will actually be as strong as, as what I thought. Yeah, I'm curious too. Well, see, season four actually starts out really strong, and I think that like that's the thing that I like about shorter seasons on on um, on Star Trek or just in shows in general is that I think that like the the way the system worked, at least in the United States, was like an episode had to have somewhere around 20 to 25 episodes per season. And that was like a full, that was a full season. Um, And now on average, the uh, seasons of a TV show are 10 episodes, you know, give or take. Mostly 13. Or 13. They've cut cut down from like a, um, a traditional 26 it was to now like a half that, which is 13. And so some do 10 and then like we get the odd 15 or 16 right like the amc format um and yeah and i don't mind that because i feel like you know uh, this is one of those stories this episode for example that like had it never gotten made like we wouldn't be missing much like it doesn't really like you know there's not a lot of new information like even the bizarre collectors being ejected was something that we already knew or saw before and you know so on and so forth so i think that like the new model works a lot better because the writers have more time to write really you know the idea is that you know hopefully you get fewer episodes to produce but you get the same amount of time as you did for 26 episodes so you're going to write a lot more quality um episodes in that in that same amount of time so i think that overall i would have to agree with that because for all the crap I give to Star Trek Discovery, like from a production standpoint, and even like, uh, you know, the way the show is constructed and everything like that, in many ways I have to concede that it is superior to the format that I'm used to, which is a more episodic, you know, format. That being said, um, there are gems in every episode. <laughs> so even the filler episodes, and that's us- usually it's a credit to the actors or the performers. You know, mm. you'll get like something subtle and delightful from that. So there's pros and cons on both on both arguments. I think the the modern format is um, objectively superior to the to the older format. Um, will will the modern shows be better or withstand the test of time? Um, only time will tell. Um, but yes, it, it just it 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 has this kind of triage effect to it, where um, a lot of the episodes that came out mostly because I think they needed to come up with an episode that week, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Cool. Good. <laughs> All right, man. All Until right, dude. Next time. <laughs> Live long and prosper. And uh, oh, of course, audience, if you've made it this far, thank you very much for listening to us all the way to the end. We really appreciate it. We'd love to. Yes, we love to hear from you, and we have been hearing from you, and I, we really enjoy your comments. Um, so please feel free to add your thoughts to uh, what we were talking about and about this episode in the comment section below please like this video if you liked it and share it and also please hit the subscribe button if you're watching this and you're not a subscriber and you made it all the way you made it this far you may as well hit that subscribe button (laughs) all right um and now we can sign off so thank you very much sir